If you brought a Bible, go please to the book of Acts in your New Testament, the fourth book of the New Testament, Acts chapter 27, beginning at verse 18, Acts chapter 27, beginning at verse 18. We've been talking about the power of yes, and we have seen that there is a great power in our agreement with God. When God says yes, no one can say no. And so it's imperative for the believer to agree with God in faith. And this morning I want to take you to the account of one of the great scenes of the life of the Apostle Paul. The shipwreck on the Mediterranean Sea. The Bible says in verse 18 of Acts 27, The next day, as we were being violently storm-tossed, there began to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Since neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small storm assailed us, from then on, all hope of our being saved was gradually abandoned. When they had gone a long time without food, then Paul stood up in their midst and said, Men, you ought to have followed my advice and not have set sail for Crete and incurred this damage and loss. Yet even now I urge you to keep up your courage, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night, the angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood before me, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. Therefore, keep up your courage, men, for I believe God that it will happen exactly as he has told it. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you this morning for your powerful word. I ask that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. And I ask that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, that they might hear the word of God and receive it with gladness of heart. We ask this in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to speak this morning about commitment. When you make a, when you say yes, you're making a commitment to something, whether it is yes to a particular decision about a restaurant or something as important as who you're going to marry or which house you're going to buy or which school you're going to attend. When you say yes, you are making a commitment. The word yes uh, in its essence is saying no to many other things and it is committing you to a, a, a course of action, to a certain uh, course that you must take in order to arrive at success. There is an important principle for every believer in this a little word because uh, the believer must recognize, the, 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 the church must recognize that until we are committed, we cannot really unlock the door to success in our spiritual life. 
And we really can't unlock the door to success in any area of our life unless there is commitment. If you walk through life with a maybe attitude, with a I might attitude, then you're going to get maybe and I might results. Say amen, somebody. You can't start off college saying, I hope I finish. If you're going to start off going to school, you have to say, I'm going to finish. Uh, you can't get married saying, I hope this works out. You've got to get married knowing this is a lifetime commitment. My yes is yes for life. You can't be like the young lady that wrote a note to her uh, or a boyfriend, uh, and uh, she sent him a picture along with the note, and it said, I love you, I love you, love you, love you, love you, I love you forever, 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 I love you, I love you, I love you. And then she P.S. at the end, she said, P.S., and if you, if you break up with me, I want this picture back. All of this, I love you, and I'm committed to you, and forever, and then at the end, there was a back door. If you live with a back door in your Christian life, you'll never see success. If you live with a back door in your marriage, you'll never see success. The same is true in the ministry. Sometimes a man will come to pastor a particular church in the region, and they'll say, well, let's see if this works out. I'll give it a year or two. And they never see success because there is a principle inherent in this that you must commit in order for God to release the blessing and the harvest that uh, that thing will produce in your life, you have to be committed to it. And so saying yes is a, is a powerful word, but it, re it requires a decision for a lifelong commitment uh, or at least a commitment to the term that is going to be required to produce a success in a particular aspect of your life. Jesus, when he called us to follow him, he made a, a commitment uh, request. He said, follow me, take up your cross daily and follow me. He was saying, take up your cross, meaning take up your own death to yourself, your death to your own agenda, and follow me and follow after my agenda, after my plan, after my will. And so the the, the word this morning is commitment, and I really want to challenge you with this in particular because as we study the life of the Apostle Paul, we see a man on whom there was a great promise from God. When God called Paul into the Christian faith and he called him into the ministry, God told Paul, you are going to preach, you're going to testify about me before kings. You're going to stand before the mightiest men of your region, of your land, of your, of your nation. And yet for a long time, that promise went unfulfilled in the life of Paul. But then what is interesting is that when the, when the Lord started to fulfill that promise to Paul, when God began to do in Paul what God told Paul he was going to do, he did it in, in an unusual way. I think when Paul received that original a promise, I'm going to use you, you're going to preach in front of kings, that Paul imagined that one day he'd be sitting at home and someone would knock on his door and he would open the door and there would be a royal guard standing there with a gold um, envelope that had been uh, carefully written and said, you are invited to attend a banquet in Caesar's palace or in, in uh, Caesar's throne room 
But that's not how it happened. Instead, Paul got arrested and he started to have to appear before kings as terms of his arrest. Isn't that just how it is sometimes that we have it all figured out? We know how God is going to do it. And then when he starts doing it, you say, wait a minute, this is not how I had it planned. And in those moments, we have to remember that his ways are higher than our ways. That his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. That, that God is so far ahead of us in his plan and his agenda that our mind can't quite wrap itself around it. And yet in those moments, we have to be committed to the outcome. We've got to be committed to reaching the end. Because if we get into a tough spot like Paul found himself many times in that tough place, if we get there and we quit, they will never reach the promise of God. I believe this morning that there are many promises that are yet unreceived by believers because they have quit too soon. They have walked away too soon. They have lived with a maybe and I might mindset. And if God doesn't do it in the time frame that I want him to do it in, then I'm going to go on and do my own thing or I'll do it my own way. And the end result is always disaster. Now here you have the Apostle Paul and he is on an all expense paid cruise to Rome. He's in a prison ship being taken as a prisoner to Rome so that he can stand trial before the Caesar so that he can give his account of the gospel to the mightiest man on the face of the earth. He is going to speak to the Roman Empire uh, by speaking to the Roman Emperor. And on the way there, he has a catastrophic crisis. There is a shipwreck in the middle of the journey. I, I can't guarantee you, church, that every time you set out to do something for God, that there won't be some trouble in the, in the between. They can't guarantee you that there's never going to be any storms or any trials in your life. And the reason I can't guarantee you that is because God hasn't guaranteed you that. He didn't ever say there wouldn't be any storms. He didn't ever say there wouldn't be any rain. He didn't ever say there wouldn't be any trials. What he did say was this, I will be with you always, even unto the end of the age. Say amen, somebody. God has promised to be with you. And so you and I have to be ready to commit to God's will and to God's process in spite of the obstacles. Because if the enemy can turn you around with opposition, he'll turn you around. He'll keep you from growing. He'll keep you from developing. He'll keep you from doing ministry. He'll keep you from accomplishing the things that God has set out for you to accomplish. I remember on one occasion I was traveling to the Amazon and I had to preach three crusades uh, in ten days. And it was going to require a lot of money. And before I left, I didn't have the sufficient amount of money to cover the entire crusade. And then I called, uh, I called Peru and the, the, uh, the host said, Brother Isaac, he said, we have a problem. It is raining worse than it's ever rained in uh, the last 100 years. The river is flooded, and that's not unusual, but it's flooded out of season. 
And uh, he said, what do you want to do? Do you want to cancel the crusade? I said, no. I will preach from a boat if I have to, but I am going to preach. Now, that, that crusade uh, was, was used by God to reach many people and bring many souls to Christ. But it would have been very easy sitting at home in my study to say, you know what? Maybe I should come another time. Maybe I should do this another time. But you see, when you have made a commitment to do what God has called you to do, you look beyond the trouble. Can I just encourage you this morning to look beyond the trouble? Look beyond the mess? Maybe right now all you can see is the mess. But just look beyond the mess. I guarantee you on the other side of the storm, there is peace, there is blessing, and there is victory if you will stay the course. If you will see it through to the end, tell your neighbor, see it through. You know, that is such a simple instruction, but it's hard to follow, isn't it? See it through. Uh, you guys don't know this, but I was quite an athlete in high school. Why are you laughing? That's not, that's not nice. I was actually not quite an athlete, but I was on the golf team, and we did, we did have a, a measure of success. But anyway, what I'm getting at is that when I was learning how to play golf, that the instructor was always talking about, you have to follow through. And I think this is true for any sport, uh, that, uh, especially baseball, you have to follow through. What does that mean? That means that when you swing that golf club, you can't stop at the tee. The club is going to strike the ball, and the ball is going to go into the air, but the club has to go all the way through. It has to finish the entire cycle. The same when you're batting um, to hit a baseball. You have to follow through because if in your mind you're only going to stop once the goal is achieved, then you're not ever going to get that ball to go the distance. And that is the same uh, fact that we're talking about this morning. You have to be ready to follow through with God. You have to be ready to follow through with your commitments in spite of the opposition, in spite of the challenges. And when you do that, you begin to practice. You develop a muscle in your spiritual body that says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I'm not a stranger to trouble, but I'm not a stranger to victory either. God has shown up in my life. And you start to develop that character of the believer that says God is going to do it again. God is going to bring me through again. Tell your neighbor, follow through. You know, if you are married, you've got to follow through. If you're raising children, you've got to follow through. If you've got a new job, follow through. What do you mean, pastor? I mean, if you start something, finish it. Maybe some of you started building model cars or model planes when you were a kid. And sometimes in the middle of that project, it's just easier to not finish it. It's easier to throw it away. But if you learned to follow through, you learned to finish what you started, you committed to it, you began to see that it develops your character as a person. The same is true in our spiritual walk. Paul developed this to such an extent that even in the most critical moments of his life, he was unyielding in his confidence in God. Now the Bible says that when he is on this uh, trip to Rome, there's a shipwreck. And look at the words that the Bible uses to describe the shipwreck. Let me see if you've ever had a day like this. He says he was violently storm-tossed. Anybody ever been violently storm-tossed? 
And then he says that he, uh, that it, it was, there was no sun or stars for several days. Have you ever had a really, really dark season? And then the Bible says that they had lost all hope of ever being saved. That's a bad day, isn't it? That's a bad season. And perhaps you've had those seasons in your life when you have been storm-tossed and you have no light, you have no understanding of the situation, and you've lost hope of ever being saved. But the Bible said that they dropped four anchors. And I want to share with you what these four anchors are for the believer. If there's going to be a commitment in your life to finishing what God started in your life, you're going to have to have these four anchors. The first anchor is found there in verse 21. It says that when they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up in their midst and said, Men, you ought to have followed my advice and not gone on this trip to begin with. But, he said, take courage, because last night the angel of the Lord God whom I serve appeared to me. Now what is Paul telling us? He's telling us that the first anchor is the anchor of the voice of God. Paul tells us, look, we're in a desperate situation, we're in a crisis, but we are not alone. God is with us and God is still speaking. I've got to just take a moment right there and thank God that when I was in my darkest places that God still showed up. That God still spoke in my life. Come on, is there anybody in here that knows that God is not a fair weather friend? God doesn't just come when the sun is shining and the daisies are blooming. God shows up when everything is going wrong. When everything is a wreck and a ruin. When everybody's running out. God is running in. He is the ever-present help in the time of trouble. Come on somebody give him praise because he is the God who is there. The God who is present. What a joy. What a confidence you and I can have in that. Paul says, look guys, I have heard from God. You see friends, when you have made a commitment to God and you are listening with your heart for his voice, the circumstances do not negate the word of God. I want to say that again. Your circumstances do not negate the word of God. If God says the door is open, the door is open even if the door is closed. Come on somebody. If God says yes, nobody can say no. If God says there is a way, he will make a way in the middle of a Red Sea and, and draw a highway across it if he has to. But God will do what he has promised to do. When you are listening, you can hear what he says. And when you hear what he says, it is reassuring. It is encouraging and it is building up our faith. The word of God, the voice of God is the greatest privilege, I think, that a believer can enjoy. To be able to hear the voice of God. You say, Pastor, not me. You know, I'm not a super Christian. I don't know a whole lot about the Bible. I don't, even, uh, I don't even know where the book of Acts is this morning. Well, let me tell you this. Jesus said this, my sheep hear my voice. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to hear the voice of God. In fact, mo many Bible scholars don't hear the voice of God. But as long as you are sensitive to his voice, as long as you are humble and say, Lord, I am your child, I need direction. He says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God because God gives it freely. Come on, somebody. God will speak to you. If you will listen, he's speaking to you right now. You know, God speaks to us through the preaching of the word. 
How many of you have ever heard God speak to you through a message? How many of you have ever heard God speak to you while reading the Bible? How many of you heard God speak to you just while you were driving your car and he, and he put an idea in your mind that let you know this is the direction that you need to take? We often say, something told me. No, it wasn't something. It was someone. I said, it wasn't something. It was someone. It was God speaking to his church, speaking to his children. You see, the relationship we have with God is not a one-way relationship. It's not just you talking to him, but it's you talking to him and him talking back to you. And when you open up your heart, you open up your, your spirit to say, Lord, I want to hear from the Holy Spirit today. Whether it be by reading my Bible or hearing a sermon or by uh, sitting in, in worship, whatever it is, Lord, I want you to speak to my heart. The voice of God brings peace in the middle of shipwrecks. The voice of God brings peace in the middle of the greatest trials of our life. Isn't it encouraging to know that there can be moments when you can be in the middle of trouble? I don't think that's the voice of God right there. I don't know what that is, but all right. You can be in the middle of trouble, and even in that place where you feel like, I don't even know what to think anymore, that God says, this is the way you're going to go. Paul said last night, I heard from God. And this is what God said to me. He said, number one, I, uh, I am going to give you all the lives of the people on this ship. Wow, God told, God told Paul, nobody on this ship is going to die. Just because there's a purpose on your life, I'm not going to let anybody else that's with you go down. Come on, that's encouraging this morning. Listen, there are some people that are hanging on to your ship and they don't even know it. They're blessed because you're blessed. Come on, somebody. They're alive because God has kept you going. So you've got to stay in this fight. You've got to stay committed because there are some people whose, whose light depends on you. Come on, there's some families right here, right now. You are the life raft for your family. You are the one that God has chosen, and because they're associated with you, God is blessing everybody else. There are some planes, there are some planes that might have crashed, but you were on them and God didn't let it crash. There were some cars that might have wrecked, but you were in it and God didn't let that thing wreck. There were some boats that might have sunk, but God didn't let them sink because you were in it. Come on, somebody. God has said, I am with you, and I'm going to accomplish my purpose, and I'm going to give you the life of all the people who are with you, because you have to go to Rome. I am going to fulfill my word to you, Paul. And until you preach at Rome, don't worry about dying in this mess. Look beyond the problem this morning. Can you see your promise over there in the distance? Then you can say like Paul, these light afflictions are nothing to be compared with the glory that God has prepared for those who love him. Come on, somebody. There is a greater glory on the other side of the storm. Now, Paul lets down another anchor, and he says this. He says, I have heard from God, and I believe God. Now, that is a very important statement. Paul says, I believe God. Can you say that with me this morning? I believe God. Now notice I didn't say I believe in God. Because it's never enough to believe in God. You can believe in God and still lose your soul. 
Because the Bible said that even the, the, even the demons believe in God. You see, it's not enough just to believe that he's out there, that he exists, that he's God. It is necessary to believe him. It is necessary to take him at his word. You see, it is, it is necessary that you and I walk in faith. That's what this second anchor is. It's the anchor of faith. It's the anchor that says, I believe God. I don't believe my circumstances. I believe God's promise and God's word over my life. And if God has put his word on it, my circumstances will change. My circumstances will come into agreement as long as I am in agreement with God and obeying God's voice in my life. Listen, friends, that this is uh, the, the greatest Thing that you and I can develop in our Christian walk is our faith because our faith is the key to all the answers to your prayers. The Bible tells us that without faith it is impossible to please God. You cannot please God apart from believing Him. God puts a premium on believing Him. Now, let, let me explain it to you like this. You might say, God, I'm never going to tell another lie again in my life all right and and if i if i keep that promise to you then i ask you to bless me on account of that and and maybe you have said something like that you said something like lord i will never and then you fill in the blank all right i don't know what your blank is but i know we all have one right i will never do this again and and then what do we do we do it again we say, oh, now God's not going to bless me. And see, that is a, that is a works-based relationship with God. Where you do your part, God does his part, and there's this law between you. I've got to keep these rules in order to keep God happy. Friend, that's not the gospel. This is the gospel. God says, look. Jesus Christ already fulfilled all of the rules. He already satisfied all of the demands of a holy God. All you can do in order to please God is believe in His Son. Is believe what He has said about His Son. And what has He said? He has said that if you will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. It's just that clear and that simple. God says, look, if I left it up to you to save yourself, you'd never get to heaven. So I send my son to save you so that you can spend eternity with me and be a part of my kingdom and a part of the, the glories of eternal life. Friend, this is received by faith. The Bible said that we are justified by grace through faith. You can't get saved on the basis of your good deeds. You can't get saved on the basis of your good works. The only way to be saved is to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you do that, you're as saved as you'll ever be. Because Jesus Christ has made the full payment for your sin. I'm excited about that this morning. Because when I stand before God, I don't stand accused and I don't stand condemned. I stand justified. I stand righteous. God sees me as righteous not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for me and because I have put my faith in Him. That's why faith is so important, because it is what pleases God. If you want to please God, friend, believe Him. Just believe Him. Honor what He has told you in His Word. Receive His Word with gladness in your heart. 
faith produces not only salvation and justification, but it produces access to God. We have confident access to God because of our faith and our confidence in God. Our, our prayers are answered and the promises of God are secured by our faith. And one more, our victories are secured by our faith. The Bible said this is the victory, even your faith. If you want victories in your spiritual life, you have to walk by faith. You have to walk in, a, in, in a, an agreement with what God has spoken over your life. And you know, the greatest reason why many people never really a, a, a obtain a place of spiritual victory in their life is simply because they don't believe God. They don't take Him at His word. And they try to do it their own way, and they can't. They fall short every single time. And so the answer this morning, the second anchor, is the anchor of faith. God says this, if you will believe me, you will see the glory of God. What a simple solution. God says, if you will believe me, I'll show you my glory. I will manifest myself in your life. Now you're asking, Pastor, why faith? Why does God do it that way? I'll tell you why. Because he doesn't want anyone else to get the credit but him. You see, if you could save yourself, then you would take the credit. If you could heal yourself then you would, heal, you would get the credit. If you can de deliver yourself out of trouble, then you will get the credit. But because you can't, and you have to just believe that he's going to do it, and that he's doing it, he gets the glory, he gets the fame, and to him be all of the honor, because he is the one who has done the impossible in our lives. Say amen, somebody. Drop the anchor of faith. Now Paul drops his third anchor. And he says in verse 31, the Bible said, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, unless these men remain on the ship, you yourself cannot be saved. Now, Paul gives them a third anchor. He says, number one, you need to believe God. You need to take him at his word. But this is the, this is the next anchor. You need to stay on the boat. Now, they were trying to get off the boat. They were trying to escape into the sea. But Paul gives them a very clear instruction. If you want to be saved, stay on the boat. Tell your neighbor, stay in the boat. Now you see, what is Paul really telling them? He's telling them, if you want to be saved out of this shipwreck, you better stay with me. Because I am the one God has blessed. I'm the one God has anointed. And if you stay with me, you're going to have salvation. Can I tell you this morning, stay with Jesus. I don't think you heard me. I said, stay with Jesus. Stay in the Jesus boat. Look, from time to time, some other boats are going to come by your way. There's going to be some boats that come by and they look awesome. You're going to look over in that other boat and it's, it's a cruise liner with a big swimming pool and, and a casino. And it's going to have all of these awesome attractions and food and, and pleasures. And you're going to say, you know what? I'm going through this shipwreck right now. My Christian life is, is going through hard times. And there they are over there on that other boat. It's spinning up, staying up all night partying. Can I tell you? Stay in your boat. Stay where God has put you because that other boat is going somewhere that you don't want to go. Come on somebody. It may look good right now. It may look charming right now. But the end of it is destruction. Stay in the boat. Tell your neighbor, stay in the boat. You see, life is going to tempt you to get out 
of the Jesus boat. It's going to tempt you to get out and try it on your own. Listen, friends, there is only one way to salvation, and that's God. There's only one way to victory, and that's God. But you know what else? That boat, that boat is the house of God, too. You see, if the enemy can get you out of the house of God, he will. Every person, listen, every person I've ever seen backslide has begun by drifting away from the house of God. Now, I'm not saying you can't be in church and be backslidden because some, some people are. But I'm saying it always begins with getting out of the boat. It begins with you starting to drift away from the house of God. Some people say, no, I'll just stay at home and watch, watch TV church, and I'll do it that way. Friend, you've got to be in the fellowship of the believers. I don't know if you realize this or not, but we need each other. We need one another. We need one another's prayers. We need one another's encouragement. We need one another to pat one another on the back and say, you can do all things through Christ. Don't give up. Don't give in. God's going to answer. And, and we need the house of God. Every person needs a local church. You need a local church. Your children need a local church. And if you're, not a, if you're not a part of this church, I want you to become a part of it this morning. Because everybody needs to be a part of a body where they can grow, where they can be challenged, and where they can be matured and, and planted, where their root system can grow firm. And so this instruction is simple, but it's get in the boat and stay in the boat. Stay where God has put you. There's going to be times when, when times are rough. This church has been around for 80 years, you know, and in 80 years, it's seen a lot of storms. It's seen some tough times. And, you know, when those tough times came, a lot of people would get up and, and go because they couldn't stand the tough times. But there was a, a remnant of people that said, no way, Jose. This is where God put me. This is the ship where God has caused me to sail. And men, listen, many of you today are blessed. Right now you're blessed because somebody stuck, stuck with this boat. When, it, when everybody was bailing, when people were unsure about his future, you're blessed today. You're sitting in the house hearing the word because somebody a, a few years ago or a few decades ago said, I'm not going to give up. God is going to do this thing. God is going to accomplish it. And they committed to the house of God. So guess what? You've got to do the same thing. You and I have to make sure that if Jesus doesn't come, that in the next 20 years, in the next 30 years, there's still a Kingsway church where there's vibrancy and life and power and anointing and the presence of God. Come on, you've got to stay in the boat. Come on, somebody. You've got to stay where God is blessing. Now, Paul gives them one last anchor. And this one is kind of funny to me, but it's very important. He says, all right, last night I heard from God and I believe God, and you need, you need to stay in the boat. And then he said, so let's go eat. Say, wait, Paul, this is really not time for that. He said, let's go eat something. Because you need to get your spirit up. You need to get your encouragement up. You know, it's interesting to me, I, 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 all the funerals that I've ever attended, especially the ones I've done here in the church, it doesn't matter if we're burying mom or dad or a brother or sister or husband or wife. Always, always, always after the funeral, we go eat. Why do we do that? You would think we could be, we'd be so distraught we can't eat. But see, 
there's something about sitting at a table in the middle, in the middle of a crisis and just breaking bread and knowing that you're not alone and knowing that you have a family, that you have fellowship, that you have bread. You know, friends, that's why we come here every Sunday, because together we break the bread of life. Together we eat the word of God, and as we do that, our spirit is encouraged. You see, the word of God encourages us. This is the fourth anchor for us. It's the word of God. When you get the word of God in you, it encourages your spirit. It encourages your soul. Don't stay away from the house of God because you'll be staying away from the word of God. And the word of God is what builds faith. The word of God is what encourages our spirit. Paul says we've got to get some bread in us. We've got to get some food in us. And the Bible said that as they began to eat, they were encouraged. So when you are discouraged, get in the word. Get in the Bible. Get in the scriptures. Get them inside of you and they will build up your spirit. If you do, if you drop these four anchors in every test of life, you're going to find that you're able to, because you're committed, you're able to get over the crisis and into the place of victory. And this morning, I want you to stand with me as I read to you the last words of Paul's uh, message here. He says, I believe God. He says, and it will happen. It's going to happen. Everything God promised is going to happen. I don't know what you're waiting on, but if it's a promise from God, let me just tell you this morning, it will happen. It will come to pass. What God has said in his word, he's good for. Now, I can't, I can't guarantee you your wishful thinking I can't guarantee you any of that, but I can guarantee you his word. If it's in this book, it will happen in your life. And if you'll believe it this morning, if you'll take him at his word and just say, God, I believe you. I don't always understand you, but I believe you. I trust you. The Bible said, blessed is the man whose confidence is not in man, but in the Lord. For this man shall be like a tree who is planted by a river of water. And this man will not fear when the drought comes. And he will not fear bad news. You see, when you're trusting in God, you don't have to worry about the bad news. Because the bad news is going to come. But when you've got a promise of God on your life, the good news has already outweighed the bad news. It will happen. It will be just as God has spoken it. And so this morning, I want to invite you into this altar. If there is a promise of God on your life, I want you to come into this altar and just tell God, God, I believe you. I believe you. I trust you. I'm waiting on you. Come on, let's fill this altar with faith this morning. Let's fill this altar with confidence in God this morning. I don't know what you're waiting for, but it will come to pass. As you wait on God, as you trust him, believe him. Because if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Yes, Lord. Perfect peace. 
Come on, just stir up your faith this morning. Stir up your faith.